We'll read from two portions of scripture this morning. Uh, Psalm 23, which we have already sung, if you noticed, and from 2 Corinthians 5. We ask, Lord, first that you give us ears to hear your word, eyes to see, and a heart to obey. Thank you for having your written word and preserving it. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now from 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So then what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The word of the Lord. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there are certainly a lot of dark undertones in this psalm. The psalmist reminds us that death stalks in the dark valleys. And there's a subtle and sinister reminder that evil lurks there too. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A colorful way to put it, or perhaps I should say a colorless way to put it. I note on the bulletin the rather colorless, gray, gloomy reminders of, of dry places. There are many ways to lose your home, or to carry the imagery of our psalm, to lose our home pasture. You've no doubt heard 
of the devastation caused by so many recent disasters. In some parts of the world, including our country, we have droughts and wildfires. In other places, they have hurricanes or in tornadoes and floods. In the space of seconds, people's homes can just be devastated and, and some places just gone. These are cataclysmic events, the kind that Psalm 46 refers to as roaring waters and quaking mountains. And then, of course, there are financial disasters. People lose their homes because they can't pay the bills anymore. And on top of that, there's political conflict, corruption, gun violence, and all sorts of just plain evil, which is hard not to fear. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul used the word home as a picture for our bodies. He speaks of being at home in his body. And as every death reminds us, our bodies are at best temporary homes. He refers to them as tents, tents no less, not my idea of a secure dwelling. No doubt the fact that he was a tent maker by, by trade affected his choice of words here. To use some more contemporary, contemporary language, I think the Apostle Paul invites us to see ourselves as homeless people. Homeless. The truth is that our bodies are also quite vulnerable. We were sadly reminded of this with the Boschers family's tragedies when Alicia's sister Sarah lost her life while riding her bike. And of course, there's the ongoing threat of the pandemic. And short of death, our bodies come with all kinds of other vulnerabilities, don't they? Some of us are dealing with heart attacks, others kidney failures, strokes, been there, done that, and other various crippling conditions. And when our health begins to fail, we need more and more help just to maintain our homes. And then in time, we need help just to maintain the home we call our bodies. And then too, I think of how vulnerable even our minds are before such diseases as Alzheimer's or just getting older and forgetting stuff. And some have to move to all kinds of assisted living. And the truth is that all of us need help to survive. This is, if you will, the bad news. This is what brings grief. We live in a fallen world full of destruction, death, and decay. If you get upset, you might be tempted to use some colorful language. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to use some colorful language right now in this sermon. Now, before you get too worried about that, I think I better explain. In the interest of full disclosure, 
I'm indebted to Reverend Peter Yonker of the Grave Avenue CRC for the colorful language of this sermon. I mean to draw your, con your attention to the contrast in Psalm 23 between the dark shadows and the green pastures. I couldn't help noticing, because it was on my mind, that we have greenery and green colors here and some flowers, good reminders of life. The valley of the shadow of death is contrasted and contracted by green pastures. Green is the color of life as opposed to the dead brown. And I note in passing that the green light is the light to go. So I think that's always very encouraging. Interestingly enough, even as nature goes into its winter rest, as was noted a while ago, our lives and the life of the church turn over new leaves, so to speak. We're going green in, this, in a manner of speaking. Our children are going back to school. The university is resuming its schedule of classes. Sunday school and various classes are being offered. And we are turning over new leaves in leadership. Pastor Mike and Beth are transitioning to interim ministry and Pastor Jim will be stepping in to fill the gap. Couldn't help wondering as I was reflecting on this, what are your green pasture moments? I invite you to actually speak up if you have anything that you can share. Are there any birthdays that you're celebrating? Any um, anniversaries? other special events, or ordinary blessings. For instance, I think of the fall colors as ordinary blessings that I celebrate. Tell me, tell me what green things you're experiencing, what blessings you're seeing from the Lord. Two okay, two weddings. There you go. Any other comments? Oh, birth of a grandson. Yeah. Excellent. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you. But really, that's all small stuff, isn't it? Here was the big picture. The good news is that God is rebuilding the universe from the foundation up. Jesus himself took on our fragile human nature to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But thanks be to God, he defeated death and rose again from the dead. And he invites us into that eternal life with him. We celebrate Jesus' victory over death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In a beautiful, joyful contrast to the insecurity of life, the Bible again and again sounds the joyful note of security in Christ. The psalm celebrates 
God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 23, which we also read, also confronts us, comforts us with that security. Jesus, our great and good shepherd, leads us in green pastures. Even though I walk through, and notice that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Through faith in Christ, we have an eternal and unshakable future. Jesus himself has put a reservation for us, for us as followers. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? See, he, he's gone ahead. He's prepared a place for us. And no one will ever foreclose on our eternal homes. As the Catechism reminds us, he has fully paid for all of our sins with his precious blood and has set us free from the tyranny of the devil. So powerful is Jesus' victory over death that even death loses its terror for the believer. Death, says the Heidelberg Catechism, is not for us who are in Christ a payment for sin, but it is now our entrance into eternal life. In fact, now our earthly temporariness becomes our friend. We walk through that valley of the shadow of death. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow. Whatever troubles come our way when we pass from this scene, when we die, when we die in Christ, our troubles are over. The security of our eternal home extends even to our bodies. That is to say, not only do our souls go immediately to be with the Lord, but when we die and Christ comes again, he will raise our bodies to be like unto his glorious body. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, built not by human hands. The power of our hope is in Christ. And that is underscored by this, that whatever comes our way, we do not face it alone. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Why not? 
for you are with me, says the psalmist. Or again, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Jesus promised that he would not leave us or forsake us like orphans. I am with you always, even to the very close of the age. Some years ago, one of our grandchildren was being a bit naughty, and his dad gave him some alone time. And I heard our grandson wailing, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be alone. And that speaks to all of us, doesn't it? We do not want to be alone in the valley of the shadow of death. Here we have no abiding place, but we have a home secured by our God, our faithful Savior. Much of life is unsure, but God's promises are sure. God's presence is sure. And that assurance brings us joyful assurance time and time again. There, there's a bubbling up of joy that really never stops because finally Christ has conquered death and has offered us life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Notice it doesn't say maybe there'll be some goodness and maybe there'll be some joy. No, indeed. Surely, surely, surely. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Like a beautiful embroidery having begun, God will finish his creative work in his children. Like a carefully cultivated garden, he will bring us into his harvest. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. John Newton testified to this in his classic hymn, Amazing Grace. The Lord has promised good to me, his word, my hope, secures. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. In the words of the Catechism, our only comfort in life and death is this, that we are not our own, but belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Shall we pray? Thank you, dear Savior and great Shepherd, that you lay down your life for us, that you never leave us nor forsake us, and that you will come again.
so that where you are, we may rest also. Amen.